It's, uh, it's good to be here. It's good to spend some time with you. Uh, I'm excited to do this. What we're doing tonight is we're doing a roundtable. <clears throat> uh, with this roundtable, uh, what we're trying to just accomplish in this is to take what was kind of talked about on Sunday to kind of unpack maybe some of the things that we felt were quite, not quite brought to the surface or we didn't dive into deep enough. And so I'm really excited to be here tonight. We're going to be here with uh, Terry Earwood. Um, if you don't know Terry, he's one of our pastors on staff. Um, he is the mouth from the south. He is uh, all these other wonderful things that I could come up with. But anyways, he's uh, <laughs> one of our shepherds here, and I absolutely love him. And the other one is Christian, who you've seen also at the round table, and then also in our, our time that we've been together on Sunday. So I uh, hope all of you are, are doing well. I mean, I can say this, I know for, from all three of us, is that we truly do miss you. And uh, we are really excited uh, for just what not only God is doing in our life, but I think what he's going to be doing in your life through this in spite of the pain and the difficulty and the hardship that I think is going to come upon us. But never forget, Jesus Christ is still Lord. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of the situation. So here's what we're going to be doing tonight. And I'm going to talk with these two guys about it. So let me just kind of uh, lay out the framework. If you remember right on Sunday, what we tried to do is we tried to kind of talk about this idea of what does it look like for us to be ready for what's going on right now? I mean, I know we're, all of us are going to be holed up for another uh, 30 days. <laughs> for those of you that have children still in school, and <clears throat> you, we, 30 days could seem like a long time. But that's where we're going to be. We're going to be holed up at least for another 30 days. But in that, I, I would say this, not only now, but I would say even as we start to come out of our homes, are we ready for, I think, what God is going to have in store for us? I really do believe that this is going to be, in the midst of the hardship and the difficulty, a phenomenal opportunity. In the midst of crisis, I've always found the church has this tendency to shine. And so we want to be thinking rightly. And the passage that we kind of laid out this last week was Romans 12, if you remember it, right? I urge you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your, your reasonable service of worship. This is, how we, this is how we bring praise to God. But the thing we really tried to focus in on is to not be conformed to this world. And man, there are so many ways in which I believe our world is bombarding us on how we're supposed to think, but instead to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, why? And I love Paul, right? He always tends to kind of come in and give us the so that. Why? So that we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what he's doing in this world. And so that's really what we're going to get after because we believe that is good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what God's called us to do. So this is where we're at right now. This is what we're trying to kind of wrestle with. And I think the problem that we're facing, again, when we think about how the world's influencing this is everybody is looking for safety and security. They're, they're looking for financial peace in the midst of everything. They're, they're trying to find these things. And let me just say this, and I can't wait to talk with these guys about it. I really do think those aren't bad longings. Those are actually really good longings. But they're found in, the, in, in a future reality with Jesus that I think that's why it's all there, right? Eternity's in our hearts, and we long for, for what God is going to do. It just seems to be what I think Christian and I were trying to uncover a little bit, which is this idea that these, these desires aren't wrong, it's how we seek to satisfy those desires that are the, the wrong thing. And so, Christian, what I want you to do, maybe again, it's kind of what I had Spencer do last week for us, to give us kind of an environment to have our discussion in so that, that, that yeah. you all can join in with us in this, is maybe take us back to Genesis 3. And, and we know that the reason that we're twisted, the reason that these desires are warped is because of sin. Mm. And so maybe if you could take us back into Genesis 3, help us to see 
that we're not the first people to deal with this, right? This happened with the, with the very first human. So I'm going to just throw it at you and say, man, create an environment for us. Help yeah. us to understand how to think, think through this. So. Yeah, totally. And I mean, if you've been paying attention with us on Sundays or in the, the roundtables we've been doing before, you, you see we keep coming back to these first chapters of Genesis. And, it, and it's for a very specific reason, because I think at this time, just like any time, in order for us to know what it means to live faithfully to God in our part of the story, we have to keep the whole story in mind. That's right. And you can't understand the state of the world at any time without an understanding of, of where the path diverged, mm-hmm. the, the good intention that God had for creation and the way that it got off. And so even on Sunday when we were talking Romans 8 about how the creation itself has been subjected to bondage, to decay, and corruption because the humans that God created to take care of that creation have become corrupt. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe just real, real quickly on that, yeah. just to press in on a little bit. Like, what do you mean we're corrupt? Like, yeah. like right, because that's kind of a, a loaded term. Maybe help us, like, just, maybe if you could just for a second, like, really pull that yeah. out. Like, what do you mean by corrupt? Like, well, I mean, uh, Spencer, he's not here with us tonight, but one of the ways I've heard Spencer talk about this before is he likens it to when a, um, a computer program becomes corrupt, the line of code. There's, there's something in it that makes it where maybe it can still bump along, but it's not working in entirely the way that it was designed to work because something else came in that has, has, has thrown the coding off kilter. Yeah, and it can even look like the right thing almost, right? Exactly. But it's just, yeah, it, totally. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, keep going. My so I, I think in, in many ways that's, that's a good analog to what we see happening in Genesis 3 in that classic, not mythological, but historical story of Adam and Eve with this serpent in the garden, where you have this perfect garden. We have, we have everything is very good that God says. We have the man and the woman as helpers fit for one another to accomplish this purpose that God had. We have him providing all these trees that they needed for food and then saying there's this one tree that they shouldn't eat from. And if they do it, they'll die. And then the serpent comes in almost like that, the, the virus, the computer virus. <laughs> inserting other code into the thing and says, hold on, is that what God really said? God says you'll eat if you die. I say, competing truth claim, if you eat it, you'll be like God. Your eyes will be opened. And you, like he's holding out on you in this. And I think what's so interesting you see is Eve then goes from there in verse four, and, and, or in, uh, in actually the next part in verse six, starting in verse six. And she says, she, she takes what God said. She takes what the serpent said. And then she goes, what do I think of this whole thing? And you see her in verse six here on the screen. She looks at the tree, and here's what she sees when she looks at the tree. She sees that it's good for food. Is the desire for food bad? Yeah, no. 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 It was a delight to the eyes. Seeing beautiful things, perceiving beauty in the world, is that bad? No. It was desired to make one wise. Again, wisdom, not bad. (laughs) But the place where she takes all these good desires, these good God-given desires... And the means that she connects to fulfill those desires is the one thing that God said not to have. And that is that line of code that corrupts everything. Is we take, for the most part, good desires, we attach them to the wrong object and everything goes off. Yeah, and this is where I think, like, again, when we're talking about how we're going to rightly look at this, and I think, like, again, for me and my own wrestle, I'm going to, I read it, because your devotional the other day, yesterday was was really good, even yeah. though you were kind of frantic trying to get online a little bit. When I was confessing all my sins. <laughs> yeah. I know, and I'll, I'll confess more of Terry's sins afterwards in the after party. It'll there be we go. so awesome. <laughs> I had 19. I cut it to nine. <laughs> I that. But I think like that, just I, I loved how you framed that contrast between 
the things that you desired wrongly that, that on so many levels, right, we can, we can even think they're right. Like you could in the back of your head think they're right, but I loved how you put it. God, would you give me this desire rightly to mm-hmm. come up to you? Maybe just how did you, how did you arrive at that? Like where were you in your own spiritual life when that happened? Like I just, like seriously, that was like so good for me yesterday to kind of dive in with you and just watch you unpack that out of those nine things in your own life. Maybe just give us, give us a little idea. Well, I, I think where I was at was God stopped me. Hmm. And I really, uh, through, you know, the last couple of weeks, it really gave me an opportunity uh, to, to examine who am I? I mean, my, my identity really got challenged because I'm a doer. And um, most of my Christian life, I've taken on this added identity of doing. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, that in the most part that's been taken away. And so it's, it gave me a lot of time to start reflecting and saying, wow, now my heart is kind of coming up to the surface. And some of these issues that I've lived inside of, whether it was a safe world mm-hmm. that I built or whether it was the way that I perceived I didn't love things uh, until, right, I They're was challenged away. to say, <laughs> yeah. okay, God, do I really not love these things when they're being threatened to be taken away from me. Yeah. And as these things just st- started coming to my mind, it was, the, it was a reality of the Spirit of God convicting me mm. yeah. and saying, Earwood, these things, they're, they're, they're things that I've blessed you with. They're things that I've given to you. There's things that I've wired you to do to accomplish in your ministry. But you see, when the virus comes in, when you know, you're depending on your own strength, your own wisdom, your own talents, your own giftedness, um, then you can go a long way with that. Yeah. But you miss me as you're on your way. Yeah. Which is so deceptive, yeah. isn't it? Because, oh. man, like, I feel like, and you and I talk about this all the time, living in the Christian bubble. Yeah. Like, we can get in there, right, and we can begin to think somehow that, like, we, we're fine because we can almost put a religiosity on top yeah. of it. We can... It looks close almost to what is the real thing, but I think in times like this, it's just so fascinating the way that God goes, okay, I'm gonna strip everything away. <laughs> There's no more playing religious games anymore, right? Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's like this is, this is now real in the way that it kind of gets thrust into our face. And I, and I think this is what is kind of crucial to where I wanna kind of maybe just turn our conversation. I wanna spend, I'd love to spend as much time as we can in this one because it's repentance. Because yeah. I think it is something that is so misunderstood, right? Yeah. Like I, I would say it this way. I think I've been most disappointed with pastors online, mainly because either number one, they're, they're overly fearful, um, almost like forgetting that Jesus is still king sitting on his throne, or else they're like these guys that have this over-realized confidence, like Satan when he's tempting Jesus, right, to throw himself off, and all those things, like, what are you talking about? Like, mm-hmm. No, we're gonna tempt the Lord our God, right? There's, there seems to be this like thing where you're like, oh man, pastors, mm-hmm. what are you thinking? And, and I think it's, it's not just pastors, yeah. but in this, there are all these phenomenal things that God has given to us to enjoy yeah. and to, to, to find satisfaction in and, to, and to, to pursue after. But it seems to be repentance was what, what really was going on inside of your life, Terry. You were, you were wrestling through what the Bible yes. constantly talks about, right? We identify within us the virus is there, mm-hmm. which, again, we sometimes forget that it's there. 
But then when we identify that the virus is there, what do we do? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, could you just unpack? You gave a sermon, dude, that was yeah. like a few. I still, like, it's one of my sermons that I use over and over mm. in my counseling with people. Not with myself, but, you know, other people. Probably you ought to do it more than you say. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was a little that, confession right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, you know, dang it. Oh. <laughs> you have to go through confession now. But maybe, like, can you walk us through a little bit about, like, how... How you begin to see confession not as like two acts of or turning, repentance. Yeah, yeah. or excuse me, repentance yeah. of turning away from one thing and then finally turning to to God, to who He is, but you saw it like as one act. Can you kind of yeah. just walk us through that a little bit? Because I think that's important for us to remember as we have our discussion around repentance. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it was a, it was a couple of years ago, if I'm remembering correctly. We we're in Second Corinthians. Yeah, and there's this passage in Second Corinthians seven where. Paul, who's written, he's, he's written this really harsh letter to the church, and he's saying, I was, I was concerned that this would just basically destroy our relationships. And I, I see that my letter grieved you, but I'm, I'm grateful because it grieved you into repentance. And he, he contrasts this idea of godly grief that produces repentance with worldly sorrow that just makes you feel bad for your sin, but doesn't Yeah, which I want to come back to this, so keep going, but totally. I really want to come back on So this we started story. talking about what is this repentance idea? If, if, if what conviction or hardship is meant to do is to lead us to repentance what's repentance and that's where we started unpacking it basically like i said on sunday just means to turn but again a turn if you're not just like like right now i could turn around on my stool and i'd stay in the same spot but if you're actually heading in a direction and you turn it means you're not going in that direction anymore you're going into a, in a different direction and that's what we see in Scripture. Like First uh, Thessalonians 1 is one of the clear yep. ones where Paul talks about how he brought the gospel to the, the city of Thessalonica. And he says, you turn to God from idols. Yeah. That one, that's one act. Turning to God from idols right. is what we mean by repentance. It's, I was living for this. I was focused on this. My actions were going in this way. But now they've changed. Yeah. Which again, I think like what Terry's experiencing, my hope is like, like seriously, all of you that are mm-hmm. part of Cornerstone, this is why I want to have this discussion. I really do believe that God has something for us on the other side of, of yeah. when we finally come out of our caves. Amen. But I really do feel like this is a unique time for us to, to really understand the depths of even our own need of repentance, mm-hmm. our own need to, to realize we have, we have found our satisfaction in wrong things versus and right things, and I think like what you're talking about, this really is this time where what, what Terry experienced, what I'm experiencing in my own life, mm-hmm. is this turning and, and finding my satisfaction yeah. in the correct thing. But yeah, I, yeah keep I, going. I think it's so, so huge because sometimes I think even as Christians, we just think in terms of, I wish I could stop sinning. I yeah. wish I could stop doing that. I wish I could stop getting angry with my kids. And, and we think about it in terms of stopping something mm-hmm. instead of, no, how do I redirect that? Where, where, is, where is that energy or that emotion or that desire supposed to go that I'm putting in the wrong direction going here? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one thing right now. We look at it and we go, okay, so many things we normally do have stopped. They've had to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, but repentance isn't just about stopping. It's about turning and doing something else. So almost like in that way, of at this time, at this moment, when so much has stopped, it's a chance for us to say, Lord, what should we be doing instead? Maybe what should we have been doing instead yeah. all along? Yeah. Which is, again, I think this is what you pulled out in your, right. your Devo the other day. Yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of that came from just, I, I think, in the routine of, of life and in the busyness of ministry and uh, just, you know, doing life, what happens is as I turn away from my sin, 
the the sweetness and and the beauty of turning to Jesus yeah. kind of gets you know rubbed and and kind of the newness is worn off of it mm. and I have to rekindle my heart and the the turning the repentance is an attitude and an action mm -hmm. and as my action changes as I stop doing this or you know uh, my attitude toward Jesus should change with that. Yeah. As you said, it's one motion. It's yeah. one act. And that physical act should engage my heart, and my heart should engage my physical act. And I think a lot of times that's where it breaks down mm -hmm. in us having victory over sin because we look to our own self-strength mm -hmm. and our own self-will to stop sinning when oh, we should be looking to the Savior. We should be looking to Jesus and the power source that gives us the ability to walk away from that sin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And our attitude changes toward how we love God. Mm. And when I was going through these things that God was showing me in my time, um, that's why some of them I was learning better than others because the word of God was speaking truth into my life. Yeah. And the word of God was bringing me back to the gospel. And the word of God was bringing me back to what it was like before I knew Christ. The word mm -hmm. of God was bringing me back to what it, what it felt like for him to take the nails mm -hmm. and, and, and to shed the tears and to give his life for me, mm -hmm. for my sins that I would commit. And that brought a brokenness in my heart to, and a real focus that, no, my sin does hurt. Mm -hmm the Savior. It does hurt me. Yeah. And even though these things may be good, they're not as good as him. Amen. And so, yeah, was it, I think it was like, was it Piper that kind of talked about the idea, if you don't, if you don't replace one with the other, you'll always go back? Is that kind oh, yeah. of Piper, his, it seems like it's like there maybe was a, a Piper thing? Or? There was a guy, uh, I forget when it was, it was a couple hundred years ago, Thomas Chalmers, he talked about this idea of the title of his, his sermon was The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. <laughs> his whole point was, y y if you're loving the wrong thing, you don't just stop loving that thing. You need to find the better love. Yeah. Better love. You, you need to find what is the actual true object of that yeah. desire that God created you to find fulfilled in him. Amen. Because a new affection, a better desire, yeah. can expel the wrong desire. Yeah. If all you do is stop it, it's like... It's like Picking the, the flower off the dandelion in your, your lawn and then being surprised when it keeps growing. Yeah. You, you haven't done anything to, to replace Which it. Which I now. think like right now, like more, more than ever, what's so great is, is we're being exposed that our loves, our wrong loves, yes. right? Our wrong desires and passions, they are getting hammered right now. Like yes. any aspect of our love of safety inside of finances or our health or our, right? I mean, all these things that, we, that seem like such a shiny mm -hmm. object to cling to. Yeah. God in his grace is just moving those things away. And those of us that know and love Jesus, the only thing that I think in this gracious act of God that is left now is the beauty of him, right? Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's so sad that it's almost like for, you know, I've talked a lot about Jeremiah too. Yeah. He had to remove the broken cistern, this cistern that can, you know, can hold no water to yeah. show us that he's the, the, the brook, this, this bubbling, overflowing reality of living Absolutely. water. Yeah, man. And I think this is like what's so good about where we are right now. And this is why I think, again, just for all of us is that as a church, my hope is that at the end of this, we really will see that all these other things are just broken cisterns. That's, that's what we're after. We're trying to get to this idea yeah. of truly seeing Jesus 
as that undying, a never-ending source of, of, of living water. So here's, here's what I want to do then. Hmm. I think like that like, when you look at like Greek, when you look at Hebrew and this understanding of yeah. kind of how both the Hebrew people, Greek people understood this idea of repentance, it all had to do with a turning, right? Mm-hmm. We've been talking a lot about that. So in other words, in, in, in Greek, you'll, you'll see this, both the verb and the, the noun, or this, I have, have this concept of turning from one thing to, to another. There's, yeah. there's that reality, even... A change uh, of mind. Yeah, yeah. Tr- and again, in and around the idea of the mind, I've yeah. got to shift my thinking from one thing to another. And, and it, we've been talking a lot in Romans about writing, yeah. um, this idea of God taking a, a, a mind that's wrong, actions that are wrong, desires that are wrong, and renewing them, and I think this is really what Paul's talking about, Romans 12 too, and, and writing them and giving us now the right affections and the right desires and the right actions and the right mind. But in another side of this now, and, and, and this is where I want to dive in, and maybe we can look at, at Psalm 32, and this is really where I want to I go kind of next in, in what we're looking at. Uh, I, I've so appreciated being here because I think in Psalm 32, David really goes after some of these things about, okay, how do we do this repentance thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I think it's one thing to you, for us to sit up on the stage and go, yeah, just repent. Well, what, is that even, what does that even look like? Yeah. And so let me, I'm going to throw out some concept from, from Psalm 32, and then I'm just going to invite you guys in to cool. talk with me about it. And so one of the things we see in, in Psalm 32, too, is this idea, and Mark Hine, if you're calling me right now, I am busy. <laughs> and if you're not watching me right now. You have some disordered desires. Then you've got some disordered <laughs> desires that need to be dealt with. You need to repent. <laughs> you need to repent. Um, but in Psalm 32, right, it, 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 he's laying this out. And, and I love this idea. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit, mm. right? There's just this beauty to those that work in and through repentance. And one of the things I was thinking about is, and I, and I, I think David, especially in Psalm 32, mm-hmm. has this idea that we need to be honest about all of our need of repentance. Yeah. Like, do you wanna, maybe do you wanna speak in that a little bit about, like, what does it look like to be honest? Not just a one-time act that I need to repent, but I think every day, because the world is bombarding us, our own flesh, the evil one, yeah. we're constantly have skewed desires, right? That virus keeps sneaking back in. Maybe, yeah. maybe unpack that a little i think like there there truly is that that initial turn that like what paul talks about in first thessalonians you, you were idol worshipers and you turned to the to serve the living and true god and to wait for his son from heaven yeah even second timothy or in, in is it first timothy second timothy 2 where he talks about the god granting repentance right yes. to you yeah a givenness of i see a beauty of jesus that i didn't see previously and i want him but that, if, if that stops then, if it stops with walking the aisle, if it stops with you know, throwing your log in the campfire at summer camp or whatever, and it doesn't continue, this is stalled out. This is meant to be this ongoing thing because repentance, and especially in the area of, of our desires and even our understanding, um, it's, it is, yes, those things that are wrong that we need to turn from. But this is where, like, St. Augustine would talk about the idea of, of a disorder or a, 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 like, misordered desire. That even sometimes there are good things that God has given us that we love for their own sake rather than for his sake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so even that is a, a place for repentance. Yeah. Where if I've idolatrized my spouse or even the idea of a spouse if you're not married, 
And then you even make it where, okay, I'll come to church every Sunday because I might meet a, a nice person that maybe I can marry. And I'm going to do these God things so that way I make myself more presentable to somebody. You're making God a means to fulfill a desire rather than the object of your desire, right. which is still misaligned. Yeah. And so that ongoing repentance has to do both with those things which are blatantly wrong and against God's word. And even those good things that, God's gives, give, that God gives us that we make too important. There's a, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis that my wife um, has written up on, in our bedroom that I love it, where he says this. He says, when I have learned to love God better than all my earthly dearest, I will love my earthly dearest far better than I do now. Yeah, yeah. And that idea of if I truly want to love my wife as Christ loves the church, if I truly want to love and serve my kids, Jesus must be the supreme of the desires of But I have life. to repent. Exactly. Yeah. Daily, I have to acknowledge yes. yeah. So you're smiling, so I can tell you got a thought. <laughs> well, I, uh, uh, I've shared this several times, mm -hmm. and I, I know I've shared it here several years ago, but um, as Christian was talking and our need to re repent and our mm -hmm. need to confess our sin, I think a lot of times, if it's not a big one, Right, if it's yeah. not one of the big 10 or one of the big 20, yeah. uh, then we kind of let it go. Sexual sin, yeah. sexual sin, sexual sin, the big one. And, we, and we, we actually pick the ones we put in the top 10, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, but there's four comparisons in, in this whole idea of a little sin versus a big sin and confession and repentance unto the Lord yes. versus unto themselves. Yeah. And the first one was about two kings, and that was David and Saul. Mm -hmm. And if you read, I think it was Second Samuel 15, I, I may have that. First Samuel 15, you could barely even recognize the sin that Saul committed mm -hmm. when you read through that. But when God confronted him, Samuel confronted him on it, what did Saul do? He protected his reputation. Mm -hmm. he, he made light of it. Yeah. He justified it, right? And yet, who's the other king? David, and the horrendous sin that he committed. The, With Bathsheba. And the, the passion yeah. that got loose from him and then taking the life of her husband. Mm -hmm. And then when he was confronted, what did he do? We're reading it right here, Psalm yeah. 32 and Psalm 51. Yeah. Yeah. He said, Lord, I've sinned against you and you, you only. Mm -hmm. yeah. Little sin, big sin. Then you got uh, the prodigals, mm -hmm. the brothers, Right. And, and the prodigal, big sins, you know, fit in the back of a pickup truck, right? Back them up. And, and when he was confronted over those sins, what did he do? He repented in brokenness. He went to the Father, mm -hmm. not oh. wanting nothing but grace, nothing owed to him, right? But what did the older brother do? Self-righteousness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and so there's this concept, and you go to, the, uh, you go to Simon. And, and the sinner woman, where she, you know, sheds her tears on Jesus' feet. Yeah. And what does Jesus say to Simon, the Pharisee? You didn't even wash my feet when yeah. I came into your house. Yeah. This woman, right? And again, it's that self-righteousness. I think one of the keys in my devotion and one of the keys in, in uh, the Spirit of God working in my life is that um, my conscience, I pray this all the time, that would come to bear against me when I sin even a little, when mm. a word comes out, that I would immediately be convicted. Yeah. Now, I have to choose what I do with that conviction. Yeah. 
but that's a continual prayer of mine. That, Lord, I'd never grow hard to your spirit convicting me. Yeah. I'd never grow hard to my conscience trying to justify <clears throat> yeah. my sin. Yeah. And when we do sin, right, to move quickly to repentance, right? What is that? And again, I don't remember who I first heard this from, but true maturity comes in the, the time between yep. your, when you sin and you work to repentance. The shorter that gets, you can mm -hmm. really start to tell the maturing uh, person. Good. So, okay, so that's, that's the first yeah. one we have out there. The second one is, is I just think, like, when you look at verses three and four, right, when I, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night, or your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up by the, as by the heat of summer. Say, la, you know, think about this. And I think, like, one of the things, too, is to acknowledge, like, even in this working through repentance is, is that this, this danger of sin and the damage that, that is caused by shame, right? I mean, it's just, when you look at this, there is no way, I think, like, to honestly see our sinfulness mm. as ugly and as awful and as damaging. Again, even the, even not the, we, we tend to think, right, the, the big sins. But I don't even think sometimes we realize the weird things that are so small and so tiny. In fact, I almost wonder sometimes if they're more dangerous. Mm -hmm. Because they insidiously work their way in, and they just stay there and fester mm -hmm. in an incredible way. And so, yeah, well, I think I think again, like so, so much of what Terry was saying and what you just pointed out, it's it's even one of the things we need to repent of is that sometimes in our repentance we stop with the sin itself, yep, and we don't take into account the one the one who it's against, which is everything that you're saying in that. Yeah. In each of these circumstances, someone says, regardless of, I mean, what did what did what did Adam and Eve do? They they ate a piece of fruit. It's something we all should do more of. <laughs> But they, 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 talking not to me that one, talking. but I mean just I eating mean. more fruits and vegetables. <laughs> but what I mean is like, you know what I mean? It's, it's the, the, the idea that to, to, we, we stall out in our repentance when we make it about ourselves, our reputation, and even just what we call sometimes those, those horizontal relationships with others. And there's not that sense of I am one created by God in his image to do his will on this earth and I still continually want to do mine. And that's the real issue. And especially if we're created to make a name for him. Yeah. Right? If that's what we're created for, ultimately what we've damaged is the reputation of the very one that, we, that we've been called and loved yeah, by. Man. So, so let, okay, let me move on to the next one because we, we can see this then in, in five, right? I acknowledge my sin to you. You know, I didn't cover my iniquity. And, and, I, and I think like this, this part of it is to confess things not only, um, I would say, fully, right, to, to come to this point of seeing sin as sin, right, yeah. truly as the awfulness of what it is. But I think, again, to your point, sometimes I think we, we, we feel bad, but we don't ever get to the heart issue under yeah. that. Can you can maybe just, maybe you speak to it just for a second. Like, what does it mean to get past, like, maybe the surfacey thing yeah. under to the real place, right, where sin, like, dwells and festers is that virus inside of us? You want to oh. maybe speak to that? I mean, that, that is something that is a supernatural work of God. Amen. Um, Hebrews 3 talks about this idea that, that one of the reasons why we need exhortation and confrontation from each other is because we will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. I'm not going to have clarity on what's going on in my heart. The Spirit absolutely convicts, and he uses us to do it. He uses, I love what he said, like the next chapter in Hebrews, in chapter 4, yeah. that, that the, the Word of God is alive and active and able to discern the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. That is a regular 
That is a regular and needs to, I'm even as I'm saying it, needs to be a more regular prayer in yeah, my heart yeah. is, God, I don't know all the time what's going on here. For me, sometimes confession is, is, is it's, it's messy in terms of saying, God, on the one hand, I know that there is this good desire to please you or to see you made known. There's a good desire even right now to speak clearly and convincingly so that you'll see and know and prize these things so that way you'll, 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 you'll know God more. Mm-hmm. I also honestly want to impress you. I want you to say, wow, that Christian knows what he's talking about. And, you know what I mean? And so often that Christian knows what he's talking about. That, that, well, thank you. Oh, great. <laughs> Forgive me, Lord. No, but like, like to say, like so often my confession looks like, Lord, in my heart, there is a jumble of good desires and bad desires. All mixed together. Would you, would you pull the weeds? Like, would you strengthen? I was just praying this morning. I was taking a walk. Would you strengthen the right desires? Would you, would you, kill the wrong desires because I can't make sense of it always. Yeah. You know? Which, man, I think that is so key because sometimes I feel like, again, we might say, God, would you cause me to not to, to long for things, to not strive for safety and security, missing the fact that, again, it's not the safety and the security. Yeah. It's even like, what is it, First Timothy 5, right? It's not the riches that the rich were after. It was their misplaced affection yeah. for and satisfaction yeah. for and contentment inside of riches, not the riches, right? Like, it's yeah. like, again, I just feel like so often we, we stop, which has been what's been so good for me in this yeah. time. It slowed me down and said, okay, cowboy, right? We've now got to deal with the stuff yeah. underneath the surface, yeah. this stuff of why these wrong desires come in, almost oh, like a James yeah. 4 reality, these desires that then float to the surface this time. So if you're wondering why you're struggling with so much sin right now, it's because we've slowed down long enough to actually deal with the yeah. Lord, like mm-hmm. bringing these things to the surface. So let, let me go to the next one. And, and, I, and I love this one. When you look at the next part of, of 5B, he said, look, I'm going to confess my transgression, Lord. Awesome. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. I mean, it's, I love that David he says, stop and think about this, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. Therefore, let everyone who's godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. And the, verse 7, I love this. Mm. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. In other words, I love this part. You are a hiding place mm. for me, right? Instead of now we, us hiding like Adam and Eve did, which again, yeah. I think we can hide in our work. We hide in our entertainment. Yes. We hide in our comfort and all kinds of different things. Oh, yeah. And instead now, God is inviting us instead, don't hide in those things. Turn from that in this one act and hide in me. Do you want, do you want to speak to that just real quick? I was just thinking someone said that we become professional fig leaf wearers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we hide, hide our sin. I, um, I'm going to wait until you're done with this because I want to talk about um, the blessings of repentance. In the next part. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this one? You don't have to. We no, can go on to the next I, I one. Think we're, I think we might be I, I always short. love when, when the Word of God reveals the nature and the attributes of God as a refuge and a strength for us and a strong tower that we can run to. And one that, uh, you know, Jesus goes before the Father. I I love it when God calls us to himself. And I think that's one of the benefits. Uh, uh, I don't think, I know that's one of the number one benefits for us in repentance is that it draws God to us, and we're drawn to him. Amen. Right? And I think, like, repent. off of this, let me, let me go there, and I'll set yep. you up here. 
right? Many of the sorrows of the wicked, I love this, but the steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. In other words, mm. come to me, hide in me, and what do you find? You find the steadfast love, oh, the chesed, right? Just the, un, the never-ending, faithful love of God in his promises and who he is. He was, he was faithful in the promises to Adam and Eve to, mm. to deliver them. He was faithful to Abraham. He was faithful to Moses. He was faithful to David, right? That, just that steadfast love that he's shown mm. throughout time. Be glad in the Lord. Rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In other words, it's the exact opposite of when we don't deal with our sin, right? Even mm. as big as it might be or as small as it might be, Instead of now us wasting away, I love this, it's almost like verse 11 is, you will find life. In other words, now we embrace God and his love. So there, I, I've tossed you a softball. Go ahead and knock okay. it out of the park, Terry, you would. So here's a few things that I wrote down that Uh-oh. are he blessings from a repentant heart. One is God draws near to us when we confess our sin mm. and in brokenness. And, um, second thing is new life is released. We're no longer in bondage. Aren't you tired of being a slave to your sin. And when we repent of that, there's this, there's this thing in our mind that hesitates to go, can I live without this? Or how would my life be if I stopped doing this? Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying, oh, come and taste what freedom is like, Amen. right? Come get life in me and have it more abundantly, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a third thing is a deeper love and a deeper worship. It's not, we don't become liars on Sunday when we show up and sing worship songs, right? We're, we're free to worship in truth. Mm-hmm. Another one is that we see God clearly through the lens of truth and grace. I don't have to hide from the scriptures anymore. I don't have to, you know, tear out verses and, and not allow them to be applied to my life. But I, I'm actually clearly seeing uh, through the lens of the Spirit the truth of God's word and the principles there for me. And then the last one is that the Holy Spirit takes over control of my entire life. Amen. And so I'm not a slave to my flesh anymore. Mm-hmm. Which we're going to talk about this weekend. Great yeah. segue. So good. Well, let me wrap it up. Um, thank you for hanging out with us. Like, so I couldn't good. believe it. Last week we got to hang out with uh, Spencer and with Christian and, and have a conversation. And I hope tonight even... You just enjoyed a conversation that we got to have. I can't mm-hmm. believe that we get to do that um, and also exalt Jesus in that way. Love you all. Um, pray for you often. Uh, even just yesterday, uh, we were praying for you. All the pastors actually have seen me got together to pray for all the believers today. Uh, God bless you, keep you, and uh, we'll, we'll see you online. Love you. Bye.